All right, all right, grab a seat. Oh, I gotta flip it, because I'm left-handed, hold on. It's fine, it's cool. It's cool, it's cool. Oh, how are you today? Yeah, there's still some people from the back grabbing it, looking for a seat, so. Everybody find one, everybody find one. Okay, as you're sitting down, I want to, um, before we dig into the message, I want to tell you about something that's coming up in the life of our community that you may sense a whisper from God about and that you, it may be something that you say yes to. We have three global missions trips coming up just for C12. I know. Um, normally, I think, his, or historically, there's just been one or two, but because there's a lot more of us now and, and things like that, and we want to be able to provide a way for as many of you as possible to uh, go global, uh, we have three trips, one to Nicaragua, one to Cambodia, and one to Guatemala. Hey, raise your hand if you've been on one of these before. There's a bunch of you. Yeah, there's a few of you in the room. Yeah. Um, and I would say this. I honestly think... Every single American should go somewhere else in the world and experience um, what it is to not have what we have, to not see what we see, um, and to not be as blessed as we are blessed, and to take the gospel into other lands. If you've never done that, I'm, I'm just, I don't know how to, I don't know what word is strong enough, but like... I would really seek the Lord on this. So tonight at the Hub, we have a gentleman that has led a, a bunch of our trips for C12. His name is Wayne. And, <laughs> and uh, he's going to be out at the Hub after this service. And so if you're even a little bit interested in taking a trip to Guatemala, Nicaragua, or Cambodia... You can stop by the hub and you can get all kinds of information and ask him questions. And we'll have some of the C12ers that have also been on those trips there as well. So you can ask them questions and they can, they can help you gain a better understanding of what that might look like. I know a couple of the trips are actually scheduled around spring break so that it makes it easier for some of you that are students to be able to go on them. And, and it just works better with your calendar. So make sure afterward that you head out to the hub if you are even a little bit interested. All right. Alex Carney, didn't he do a great job last week on pressure and stress? I know. My man is up in Wisconsin right now visiting his family in the Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. Yeah, Wisconsin. Um, but we're in this series on paper tigers. And in case you missed the first or second, a paper tiger is a real phrase. It's not something we made up. It's not something we dreamt up in a, in a meeting somewhere. It's a real phrase that, that began over in China, used to um, call other nations that were their enemies uh, powerful yet ineffective. So a paper tiger is something that seems like it could take you out, but upon further examination, you learn it has no power. It looks scary and it feels overwhelming, but really it's powerless. It only has the power that we're willing to give to it. And the tigers that may be bigger than us, and there are some, we can't have victory over because Jesus is bigger than them, right? Always. What is, those of you who were two weeks ago, let me test your memory. What is the um, 
command or the encouragement, if you will, that is given most often in scripture by the Lord. What is the promise? He says to us, do not what? Fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. That is the command given most often through scripture. Because he knew in his kindness that we would be a fearful people. That we would have things that would come into our life and we would think that they could take us out. And so we would begin to adjust our life and shift our life around them, almost nurturing these tigers. Almost taking care of them. And God says, do not fear. Do not be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we've been sitting in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. In fact, I want us to read it together. Ready? Here we go. For though we live in the world, with me, we do not wage war as the world does. Can you see it? You're not very loud, so I'm checking. Can you see it? Yes. Remember, I used to be a teacher, so... Here we go. Let's try it again. Ready? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Y'all just recited the word. You should feel good about that, right? You just declared his word. You should memorize these verses, by the way. If there's any, <laughs> if there are any verses like in the Bible to memorize, this is probably going to be in the top 10. Because when you're struggling and when you're battling those tigers, it's not too bad to be able to recall to mind, like I, I don't battle against flesh and blood. When that person annoys you until you just think you can't stand them in the more, you look at them and go, you know what, I don't battle against flesh and blood. You are not my enemy, right? When the circumstance overwaves you and, you're, and your mind takes over and you're laying in bed and the loop keeps going of all the things that drive you crazy, you take captive every thought. These are good verses to have in your arsenal. So last week, stress and pressure. This week, it is the paper tiger of emotions. Oh. Yeah. What? You don't seem excited about that. Emotions. Are you, are you, what are you, I don't know what that means. Are you anticipating like feeling bad? I don't understand. Uh, how many of you came in? Let's be honest. You're in church. You got to be honest. How many of you came in tonight in kind of a bad mood? Okay, okay. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in a better mood because I'm sitting by you. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right. Some of you are so foul right now, you won't even do it. All right, here we go. See, I really think, I really think that emotions have been given an inappropriate power over our lives. And sometimes our emotions seem way too powerful to overcome. But hear me, God created emotions and he has given us his Holy Spirit and one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We can manage our emotions. It can be done. I'm just interested. Uh, I want to know, 
Everybody get out your phone. Get out your phone. And I want you to look up the last emoticon that you used. The little emoji, you know, the little emoji, little emoticon. The emoji, look it up. What's the last one? I want to know. Wait, 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 wait. You got it? Anyone embarrassed to say? Anyone embarrassed to say? No? Laughing emoji. What else? What? The sad emoji. Laughing. The heart. The what? The star eyes. You all are general. Wow. All right. Can I tell you? Let me tell you the last emoji. By the way, I'm hearing very good good emojis. I mean, for all of for so many of you being in a bad mood, it seems as though you were sending lovely, lovely emojis to people. Uh, the last emoji I sent, I kid you not, because I was thinking about this question, and I should have sent another one, so this was not going to be, so th this would not be my answer, but it's the stabbing knife. It's the last one I sent, and that's all I sent to this person. It wasn't about this person. It was, a, it was about another situation, but they knew what I meant. They knew that that meant like, I literally could take someone out right now. I don't know what that says about me. It's true, it's true. Um, we have more ability today to communicate our emotions than ever before in the history of the world. There was a day that unless you were standing in front of the person, you couldn't communicate with them. There was not even a phone. And then the phone comes to me, I know. Somebody just went, what? I know, I know, take a deep breath. Um, then the phone was invented, and then you could call, and you could express emotions, right? I mean, and along the way, there have been different things that have been invented that have allowed us to express emotions, letters, and now we have iPhones, we've got text messaging. We, had, we can now communicate emotions we, virtually in an unlimited way. Yet, as you heard Alex give the statistics last week, Gen Z and millennials are the most emotionally depressed and stunted generation ever while being able to communicate their emotions in ways that never have been for, never before have been able to be done. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? If we could communicate how we feel in so many ways, why do we feel so bad? Or why do our emotions seem to overtake our lives? Why is there so much emotional immaturity? Emotional immaturity. You know you do this. I do this. We use the little emojis to express things we don't even feel. Right? Somebody sends me something they think is funny, and I send a little face with a cry laughing. I'm not crying and laughing. I don't even have to think it's funny. I probably may not. But I send it. And why? Well, because it makes them feel good about themselves. Right? You do it. You send it, and maybe you give a little chuckle like, oh, ha, ha, and you send the emoji as if you are weeping with laughter. You're not weeping with laughter, right? If the person was in front of you, would you really kiss them? Or do you just send the kissy emoji? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, think about these things. We, when you send the crying emoji, are you really crying? Sometimes, sometimes. It's the guys in the front row over here that said that, in case you want to know. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, 
here's, here's what I, it's going to be on the screen, and I want you to write it down. It is impossible to spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Write it down. I'm going to give you a second to do it. It is impossible to spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That's a heavy statement, isn't it? That's a heavy statement. John 15, 11, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus is joy. He is the very emotion of joy. You can go back into the story of Noah where God says that he regrets ever having made humanity. He was that angry. God gets angry, right? Then you could go back into the Gospels and you can read where Jesus wept. So much so that we read in Scripture, he sweat drops of blood. He was in such agony. Emotions are real and they're true. And so I have three truths that we have got to sit in before we can move forward. Because you got to know these things. Because sometimes people will tell you differently, but this is true. God is emotional. We were created in the image of God. And so we are emotional. God is emotional. We were created in the image of God. And so we are emotional. That may seem like, okay, Heather, well, that's, that's not very profound. These are such important truths for you to absorb and receive. Think about all of the times that you've tried to shut your emotions down or that you've tried to say you didn't feel a certain way or that you thought God perhaps was disappointed in the fact that you felt something. God is emotional. We were created in his image, therefore we are emotional. All right, I'm going to go back to something that we talked about before. I'm just going to take it a little bit of a different direction. All right. We, because we're made in the image of God, we are three and one, one and three, right? Remember? Okay. We have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, right? We are spiritual, emotional, and physical beings. There are three components to ourselves. Our humanity has these three ingredients. You can't take one out or you don't have a human. All three of these things, right? This is our spirit, this is our soul, and this is our body. The spirit, the forever part of you. The part of you that when we think about when our body passes from this life, and we go on to be with the Father in heaven, that's the part of you that does. And it says that we'll get a new body. Anybody excited about that? We'll get a new body and a new mind. Everything will be perfected. No sin, no suffering, no disease, no nothing, no imperfection. We will, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth someday. The emotional part of ourselves, our soul, it's our decisions. It's, it's the way we think. It's, it's the way we feel. It's the way we process. It's our emotions. And then, of course, our physical body, the physical part of you. No one of these things is all of you. 
And sometimes while we know that in our head, we don't live that in reality. It is not rare for me to talk to people where really, I mean, I see their body, but their emotions are the totality of who they are in that moment. But you are not just one of these things. You are all of these things. We must learn to respect the fullness of our humanity because underdeveloped emotional health, when it is down, it doesn't mean that these things go up. That's counter. It doesn't work that way. Every part affects the other part. When you're physically not feeling well, does that affect your emotions? Yeah. When your emotions are struggling, doesn't that affect how you feel spiritually? Yeah. When you're feeling low spiritually and emotionally, doesn't that affect how you treat your body? Yeah. They're all connected. They're all interlinked. It is impossible to spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So I want to take you to uh, a small passage in the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, get it out. Um, I'd like to start encouraging you to bring your Bible because I would love for you to start marking it up as we go through and learn things. If you did not bring a Bible and you use your device, pull that out, you know, look it up. We're going to Proverbs chapter 4. There's also Bibles underneath your seats and, 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 um, and I think they're in the front right now, they're under. So grab a Bible in the back of the seats. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs, if you go to the middle of the Bible, open it up and then go right a little bit. Okay? The middle and go right. You will, you'll hit Psalms and then you'll hit Proverbs. And you're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Don't y'all love hearing the pages turn? Love it. Proverbs 4, and we're going to start in verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. All right. So God lights up the path. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Notice it doesn't say that God lights up the finish line, does it? Or God lights up the ending or the result. It says God lights up the path. Happiness is not a destination. It is the path of righteousness that you walk with that is the joy. It is the journey. Proverbs 4, 19, the next verse. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And you know what? You get to choose the path. You get to choose the path of light or you get to choose the path of darkness. We all get to choose. We all get to choose joy or despair. We just get to choose. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. So the author says, my son, pay attention to what I say. I feel like when the Bible, which we know we should pay attention to in totality, specifically in a verse says pay attention, it really means it. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your, what? Heart. For they are life to those who find them and health 
to one's whole body. So it's Solomon, it's this Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived. It's like he leans down and he says, all right, I've said a whole bunch of things. I'm going to say a whole bunch more things, but here, I'm holding your face in my hand, my son, my daughter, and I'm saying, pay attention. The words I'm about to deliver to you are going to bring health to your bones and life to your soul. And your it's literally going to be everything you need to know, pay attention. And here it is, Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, what does he say? Guard what? Your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You know what? I don't care if it's your Bible or the Bible of this church. I want you to circle that. Circle guard your heart. If you got your phone, highlight it. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. He doesn't say, watch your money. He doesn't say, go work out. He doesn't even say, go to church, y'all. He says, above all else, guard your heart. I wonder if we're so confused about emotions because instead of our guarding heart, we guard everything else but our heart. You guys, some of you... Will, will guard your skin and put sunscreen on. In fact, you will worry more about getting burned in the summer um, and pay more attention and, and take more time to protect your skin than you do guarding your heart. Some of you will spend more time in the gym or you'll spend uh, more time at the restaurants or you'll spend more time with friends or you'll spend more time protecting your grades or protecting your work or protecting your safety or protecting all manner of things than we do protecting our heart. We will protect our spiritual selves and our physical selves even more than we'll protect our heart. You're here because you want to protect this. You're here because this matters to you, right? I don't think you'd be here if this didn't matter to you, to some level. You're working to protect it right now in this moment. And I'm pretty sure that most of you had at least something to eat today Protecting your physical body, you get hungry. I wonder how much time you took to do this today. To pay attention to your emotional health. And I know you're wondering, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you. We're going to walk through that. I want to give you three things to know about your emotions. And how you can deal with them. The first one is this. Own your emotions. Own them. Own your emotions. They are real, and they need to be acknowledged, and we must be honest with ourselves about how we feel. But y'all listen, you alone are responsible for the care of your emotions. You are responsible, and too many of you have given the care of your emotions over to someone else. You rely on another person, on a group of people. You rely on other things to care for your emotions. And if your emotions go sideways, rather than owning that, you blame. So we say things like, they made me so angry. Or they made me feel this. Or they put me in a bad mood. What would change about, change about your mindset if you actually just said things like, I got angry. 
I'm in a bad mood. I feel sad. Without the blaming, we have to own our emotions. When you give over the state of your emotions to someone else, when how you feel is dependent upon other people, it is exhausting and you have given them power over you. Have you ever felt, I've, I've felt that way. I have, even if they didn't know it, I have given the power over how I felt about life and myself to someone else. And they may not have even realized it. What do they think about me? What have they said about me? How did they treat me? Or what did they do? Or how did they interact with me? And all of that determining how I feel. Now, some of it is so real. There are wounds in your life, and there are things that have been done. There are things you have done, have been done to you, that have caused enormous damage and very real pain. Same. But no matter what they are, none of those people and none of those circumstances are in charge of my emotions healing. And I can't expect them to be the ones to care for them, to care for how they feel, to care for, for what's broken, to care, to fix what is broken inside of me. I'm responsible. I'm responsible to bring everything into alignment. I'm responsible to surrender my emotions to the Father. I'm responsible to surrender my body to the Father. I am responsible for this alignment and no one else. No one else can do it for me. And I've really wanted that. I sat with one of my very good friends this week. And she was weeping, something very difficult in her life. And my flesh and my humanity, I wanted to fix it, right? I wanted to like make it better and make her feel better. And, and I just, and I wanted to go have some words with people, but I wanted in the moment to be able to fix her emotions, but I couldn't. What I could say is, you know, I just want you to know I am with you. I do love you. And I wish I could fix it. I can cry with you, and I did. I could tell you I believe in you, and I did. But when we left that conversation, she knew, and she said, she goes, I know that I've got to get time alone with the Lord, and I've got to get these emotions in alignment with him. I've got to get them under control so that they don't operate out here and the rest of me follows. Own your emotions. I think it's harder today to do this because I think it's hard to take a break from it, the onslaught of the emotionally driven culture that we live in. Because of technology and your phones and, and all of these things, people have 24-hour access to you. You have 24-hour access to people. You get on, you know, Instagram, you get on everything, and all it is is just an onslaught of emotion, right? 
coming at you all the time. Like, you just can't even get away from it. I think it's actually harder today to manage emotions than it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And I think one of the reasons that those statistics from last week are true is because you guys literally never have time in a 24-hour period that someone doesn't have access to you. That you're not aware that you need to respond or that you're not aware that somebody's asking something from you. It's, it's exhausting. A couple of years ago, I went on this retreat. It was a week-long retreat, and I went away to this ranch. And one of the deals for this spiritual retreat as a group of people is that you had to turn your phone in at the beginning of the week. I was like, I can do that. I can totally do that. I'm not, I don't really consider myself um, like addicted, addicted to my phone. I just don't. Um, I can put it down. I'm an introvert. I don't mind all that. My husband, on the other hand, he's got a problem. I do not. And so they, we had to turn in our phones, and we did. They literally collected them and took it from us. And I, then I started to go, well, what if, what if I need to call home? And they're like, well, there's a phone right there plugged into the wall, and you may use that one. Okay. Well, what if someone needs to call me? Oh, well, they have the number, and they can call you on that phone. The first 48 hours, not even kidding you, I would be talking to someone, and I would feel like, oh, my gosh, I want to take a picture this moment. And I would reach for my phone that was not there. Like out of just reflex. Or something would happen and I would want to like text Jeff about it. And I would literally reach down into my purse for my phone that wasn't there. By day three, I don't even know how to describe it to you. It was like a weight lifted from my life. I, the, the, every day that proceeded in that week, I had more joy and felt lighter than I did when I came as I removed the 24-hour access that everyone had to me. Because I could sit and I could process and I could think and I could hear from the Lord without my phone buzzing, without the interruptions, without the constant onslaught of emotions. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to bring us a full life. A full life is really a life poured out. It's really a life given away and you can't give away and you can't pour out if you're not filled up. You can't emotionally give yourself to, to people if you're not spiritually filled up. You just can't. If you're emotionally empty, you can't give yourself to people spiritually. You just can't. And when you get burned out in life, have you ever felt burned out? Tired? You can't do it anymore? Nine times out of ten, it's not because you worked too much. It's not because you have too much to do. It's because you are not taking care of yourself emotionally. So how do you do that? How do you own your emotions? The first thing you need in your life is community. You need community in your life. You need people who will love you and tell you the truth. People who will not withdraw from you. You need godly people in your life. If you do not have godly friends that are willing to tell you the truth, you need some new friends. Look around. There's a couple hundred in here. Okay? Well, how do I do that, Heather? How do I get involved in community? You know what the quickest way to get involved in community here at C12 is? Is to, is to start serving. The volunteer community at C12 is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. You guys think I'm kidding. Like, I'm just not. Like, I get together with the volunteers, and they're a party. Like, I love them intensely, and they're just the best. 
if you want to get inside of a community quickly, signing up to serve here will get you there. It will get you there. The next thing you need to take care of your emotions is the word and worship. The word and worship. The verse said, what is in your heart determines what will flow from your heart. Everything you do flows from what is in your heart. You know, David in the Bible was a pretty moody guy. The book of Psalms, in fact, some scholars think he was probably manic depressive or suffered from major depressive disorder, literally. Like he was a very, very moody guy. He wrote things like, God, why are you so far from me? How long will you cast me out? He wrote things like this, bash my enemies' heads in and their babies' heads against the rocks. It's a dark day for David that day. That was a dark day. I don't know what happened that day. Bad day. But then he would own them. In the same psalm, he would flip the script and he would own them. Psalm 42, 11, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. So he says, my soul is downcast, but I'm gonna put my hope in God. I will still praise him, my savior and my God. David says, I've hidden your word in my heart. David is known as a worshiper. The word in your heart and worship, I'm telling you, when you're down, when you feel like you've lost control of your emotions, those two things will pick you up and take you to a right perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be feeling all roses and peaches, but it will take you to a right perspective, to better thinking. The third thing I, th- the third thing I think you need in order to own your emotions is solitude. Now, when I say solitude, I do not mean alone playing video games. I do not mean like alone working or alone doing anything. When I say the word solitude, what I mean is scheduled unplugged time, time to think things through, time to get yourself aligned, Time to process, to breathe, to reflect over the day and ask yourself, okay, what flowed out of my heart today? What did I put into my heart today? How did I react today? How did I own my emotions today? How did I not own my emotions today? I think some of you avoid this. In fact, if you ever get alone with your feelings and your thoughts, you literally do anything you can to distract yourself whatever, whatever it takes. You get on the computer, you call a friend, you go out. It doesn't matter. You just can't bear the thought of being alone with your feelings one second longer. And I'm not telling you that you should never do that, but I am telling you if you don't set aside time and solitude to process and think about where you actually are, you will not be emotionally healthy. Number two, emotions are messengers and not masters. Messengers and not masters. They should be gauges and not guides of your life. On your car, you have gauges in the car, right, that tell you how things are going in your car? That without them, you would just run out of gas. You wouldn't know where things were. If the oil light didn't light up, you would know you had an oil leak. Gauges tell you things. Messages tell you things but they aren't meant to master you. They aren't meant to control you. 
a few years ago, the dog that we had had since Jeff and I got married died. His name was Casey. He was tiny. He was wonderful. We loved him, and he passed away. So we went into grief mode, right? That's what we do. And my husband, you've, many of you have met him. I said to him, we should wait to buy another dog so that we don't do like the whole rebound relationship thing. Because <laughs> y'all know how that goes, right? Does it ever go well? It does not. It does not go well. I said, let's not rush out and buy another dog. Let's just give it a minute. Let's just decide what we want to do here. And then one day, my husband shows up at the door with not one, but two dogs. <laughs> two. Because that's what relation, that's what rebound relay, that's how it goes, right? Because you got to have two to make up for the one. So, yeah, don't act like you don't know that. It's true. I have two dogs in my house. And he says they were so cute on the internet. These dogs were from the devil. <laughs> they were like this big and they could leap upwards of three feet and I'm not kidding. We put, a, we put a little fence in the doorway that these little two pound like Yorkie dogs, by the way, and they would leap the fence like they were possessed of some kind of like evil spirit. I'm like, be gone, Satan. I mean, these dogs, I'm like praying over these dogs. I'm anointing the dogs with oil. It's terrible. They're horrible dogs. And I say to Jeff, I'm like, I cannot with these dogs. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do with them? I don't know. Set them free. I don't care. I'm over them. I'm still in grief. I want Casey back. Let's go dig him up. That's better than this. I can't take it. You know what? When you're in grief, you can say whatever you want. So I've got these dumb dogs, and um, they're like wild animals. And so one day, I went into my closet and grabbed, uh, it's not these, a different pair, which I no longer own. Uh, it was a brand new pair of brown leather boots. And I reached down, and I put my hand down into it, and my hand sunk down into something. It felt to me a little bit like peanut butter. Uh-huh. I know. And I, it's like, you know when something happens, and, but you have like a delayed, delayed understanding? So you do it, and I have like this moment where like my brain is delayed from understanding, because that would be impossible. This would not happen. No, no, this isn't happening to me, so I'm just not receiving it. I'm not, it's not happening. But I pull it out, and I look at my hand, and I begin to smell, and it's like reality uh, comes into focus. And my emotions move from messengers like, oh, this is not good, Heather. This is upsetting. Um, you don't feel good about this. Um, you have some feelings of dislike, <laughs> of regret even. It moved from messengers of those feelings to masters of anger. Now, a sane person 
what, was the, what would be the first thing you did? Literally, what would you do? Wouldn't you go like, to the bathroom or the kitchen and you would clean your hand, correct? No, no, no. I am past the point of return. Like, I yelled to my husband, Jeff, where are you? He says, I'm in the kitchen. I come into the kitchen. There's our island. The, the kitchen is between me and him. And I look at him and I raise my hand. And the same thing happened. He had like that delayed, like, it just took him a minute, right? Like what Heather's got, like, oh. And I said, oh yeah, those little runts. And I used the word, in my boots. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> we're grown adults, y'all. This was a few years ago, so we're like 40-ish. <laughs> Jeff takes off running. <laughs> I start chasing him. <laughs> we're running laps around the island in our kitchen. And I'm like, when I catch you, I'm going to put this all over you. <laughs> it, this is it. I have had it. These dogs are going. I'm going to pump them across the yard. I don't even care. Like, our children come in. Oh, look at mommy and daddy. Like, this, like, mommy and daddy are chasing each other. Mommy's saying things. We smell poop. Why don't even, what's happening? And we just, but we've always put away for their therapy since they were young. So it's fine. We've always, always done that. But these... Emotions were meant to be messengers, not masters. And that's a silly story, but I could tell you not silly stories where my emotions took over. And they drove me towards bad decisions. Or my emotions took over and I wanted to numb my emotions, and that drove me to bad decisions. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to feel, so then I went over here. Emotions are messengers and not masters. We should not believe everything we think or feel. Guys, nope. You know that we can come up with some pretty crazy stuff, right? Like we can invent some pretty crazy thoughts and we can take our feelings to a pretty crazy place. All of us in this room have a little bit of crazy in us. And if you don't think you do, you are the most crazy. It's the ones that don't think they do, and everyone else knows you are. So you should just admit, we've all got a little, little crazy in us. Emotions, there's a beauty to them. When you laugh till you cry, honestly, when you start falling in love, when you sort of get lost in wonder at something beautiful or wonderful, those are amazing emotions, and they're gifts from the Lord but they're never meant to direct all the rest of you. They must remain in alignment to the spirit. They must remain in alignment to God's word. Finally, the third thing, obedience should lead emotion. I think we often want to feel our way toward obedience, but for the surrendered life, we have to act our way to feeling more often than not. Too many times we wait to feel like forgiving, 
until we forgive. When what you should know is that often, most often, forgiveness is a choice and you live every day acting as if you had forgiven, treating the people as if you had forgiven, speaking as if you had forgiven, and the feelings follow later. Waiting to feel like forgiving never takes you to the point where you want to forgive. When there's this something that's just looming in front of you that you don't want to have to do, it's a big project, it's a big thing, and you've procrastinated. You don't feel like doing it. Is there really ever a point that you go, oh, you know what, now I do? No. No, that never happens. But you do it because you have a deadline, or you do it because you have to, or you do it because you're going to get fired, or you do it because it's being required of you. And then in the midst of it, somewhere, all of a sudden, you don't mind that you're doing it because the feeling follows obedience. When you've got to follow through with something you don't feel like following through with, or you've got to say something you don't feel like saying, and your emotions have not caught up to what God has asked you to do. You don't not do what God has asked you to do because you're waiting to feel like it. You do what he's asked you to do and the feelings will follow because he is master of you and Lord of your life. When we sing songs about him being Lord of our lives, that means he's Lord of every part of your life. Otherwise, we should say things like, Lord, you know what, I give you 80% of me. I'm gonna surrender around 60% of my life to you. We should just get more honest about it. Obedience leads emotions. You know, I just had a conversation with a couple people this week about something. I'm actually working with Miles to have him come and teach. He does a whole teaching on what's called season of the soul. Um, it's so profound, so good. Where he talks about our spiritual lives, we live in seasons. When you're a Christian, you have like the summer of your Christianity and you'll have the fall and the winter and the spring. You have the summer of your Christian walk where it feels like everything's awesome. You're on a high. C12 is the best thing ever. You're coming, you're worshiping. You're just, it's just the best. And then you'll come into a fall or a winter in your spiritual life where the emotions kind of, you know, are dulled down a little bit or hard things come in life. And, and you wonder if your spirituality is even still intact because your emotions don't quite feel like they used to when the reality is you're just entering a fall and a winter and those seasons are necessary. Think about in the grand scheme of creation, if you don't have fall and winter and spring, summer never comes. The unhealthy emotional state is when we fight to stay in summer. We think that emotions must just always be up, always be up, always be great, always be on fire. And that's just not true. Your emotion can be sad. You can be angry. You can be frustrated. You can be dull. You can be all of those things. And you can still have joy because Jesus is joy. And joy doesn't have to fade. Peace doesn't have to fade. It's when I'm going to wake up and I'm going to tell my feelings of discouragement that God is in control of my life. I'm going to tell my feelings of hurt and pain that the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter, will be with me all day, enabling my perspective. I'm going to tell my feelings of insecurity that every day I wake up, God smiles because God thinks I am lights out amazing. 
That's what living inside of joy, tethered to the truth of your spirituality and your position in Jesus Christ does. So that when fall and winter comes, you have loss and then you have seasons that just feel like nothing's going right, nothing's growing. And then you come into spring and you start to see a little bit of green and then summer comes again. That's healthy. That's right. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your what? Heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guarding isn't about building barriers. It's about protection from the evil one. Guarding your heart means you have the key and you get to decide who gets in and out. Take every thought captive. Own your emotions. They are messengers, not masters. And obedience leads emotion. Get into the word and worship. Get into community. All right? And find some solitude in your life. The band is going to come. I want you to bow your heads with me as they do. As you sit there with your head, or whether your head is bowed or not, and your eyes are closed, and I want you to close your eyes, because I want you to, only because I want you to remove all the distractions, as many of the distractions as you can. And I'm just going to, we're going to have just a couple minutes of some introspective time right now. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I want you to do some self-evaluation And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you do it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. I'm going to start out really simply with this. I want you to think through in your mind, right now, what are you happy about? I just want you to think. I want you to, of anything at all, anything that brought happiness to your life in the last week. If it was a moment, maybe. Maybe you laughed. Maybe it was a conversation. Maybe it was something you did with some friends. Maybe it was a grade that you received. Promotion you got, a bill you were able to pay. I don't know. Maybe it's being here tonight. What are you happy about? Maybe God spoke to you this week and you heard him. Maybe you spent some time with him and the word seemed fresh to you. Now, what are you sad about? What's going on in your life and you just feel sad? Maybe you've had a loss in your life or a disappointment. a wound or rejection. It may not have happened this week. It could be really old and it just continues to weigh on you. A great sadness just weighs on you.
You can tell the Lord, by the way, right now. You can just tell him you're sad. I've done that. Just say, I'm really, really sad. What are you angry about? Are you angry about anything? Even Jesus got angry. What, what happened that made you mad? And, and it went from making you mad. It just took root in you, maybe. And maybe your anger hasn't stayed in anger. Maybe it's gone down deep into bitterness. Maybe there's some resentment. It's gotten way out of alignment, way out of alignment. Maybe some of that sadness and anger has, has led your body out of alignment and you've turned to things um, like overeating or drinking or medicating or relationship hopping or escaping or isolating or overworking or gossip. You've talked to everybody else about why you're angry, everybody but who you should talk to. What are you angry about? Is there anything you need to confess to the Lord that's happened as a result where your emotions got out of alignment and out of control? But now where can you cling to joy? Sometimes you gotta look hard. Sometimes you gotta dig deep, but where can you find joy? Can you find it in the fact that you are sitting here and you are safe? Can you find it in the fact that you are sitting here in a community that is for you? Can you find it in the fact that Jesus loves you more than anything, that he died for you and he would do it all over again, that no matter what you've done or, or have not done, that he forgives and he sees and he knows you. Can you cling to that? Can you find joy even in a God that you can't see? Because you trust that the Holy Spirit is with you and he's the great comforter. And he, in, in scripture it says he's our friend. And he can give you the power and the peace that you long for. Where can you hold on to joy? Because that's your testimony. All of us can give a testimony in here today because we all can cling to joy. Because joy is not a feeling, it's a person, it's Jesus. And that's our testimony. Heavenly Father, I pray over every one of these men and women in this room. All of them coming in here, their hearts full of all kinds of things. Good and bad and happy and sad, all kinds of things, Jesus. My hope and my prayer over every one of them is that they leave here freer than when they came, with a greater understanding of you than when they came, with more truth that they can tether themselves to than when they came, that they leave here knowing that they are more loved than they did when they came. Heavenly Father, would you allow them here to leave here with more confidence than when they came? Jesus, would you free them from feelings that are weighing them down as they surrender them to you, as they bring them into alignment and would you give them a renewed joy of their salvation even tonight 
even in this moment. And it's for your glory, Lord, that we do this. For your glory alone, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, men and women, like I said earlier, one of the ways to care for your emotions, one of the ways to tether you to joy is through the word and worship. And so we are going to close tonight with a couple of worship songs that we very distinctly chose because they are truths that we declare. And it's those truths we declare that tether us, whether it's summer or fall or winter or spring in our spiritual life. So would you stand and let's make these our testimony. Oh, oh, oh.